Welcome to episode 27 of the One Love Art Sessions, co-educating. I'm James LJ. And I'm Crespo. And together we scour the earth looking for amazing creatives to bring to you, our listeners, for heart-to-heart discussions wrapped in creativity and some chill vibes. For this episode, we wanted to explore the benefits of co-education. Children thrive in a supportive community. You know the proverb, it takes a village. In order to explore this concept, we are joined by Sherry Sturman, educator and director of Crayola EDU, and Tim Needles, artist, educator, and author of the book, Steam Power. Sherry, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Crayola EDU? So I have been with Crayola for over three decades. Very fortunate to be working in the most colorful place on earth. And my job is to work with educators to increase creative experiences in schools not only across the U.S., but also internationally. Wow. Okay. Tim, as stated, uh, you're an artist, educator, and author. Can you elaborate a little on those items? Yeah, sure. I've been teaching uh, art and media for 23 years uh, at the high school level, but I also worked at the elementary, middle, and college level as well. Uh, And I'm an artist as well as an educator. I really believe in that and sharing some of my process with students. Um, And then after teaching for so many years, I wanted to share out with other educators some of the lessons that I sort of learned over time and some of the projects that worked the best. So I wrote my first book, Steam Power, which came out in March uh, 2020. A bad time to release a book, but it was actually uh, a blessing in disguise, really, because so many people use so much of what I had uh, in the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Regarding the book, uh, quickly, Jay, before I give you the microphone back on. It's so easy when you start flipping the pages of that book where you pull out more post-its and it ends up becoming, it just, it just, it, <laughs> it really just looks like a big book of post-its by the time you're, you're even you're 10, 10, you know, 10 pages into the book. So I'm loving the book, uh, Tim. It's a, it was a, it's a great resource. So thank you for putting that out. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, in our initial conversations, uh, we spoke to Sherry about this idea of co-education and that's kind of where the, the title for today came from. Uh, from those conversations, it seemed an obvious idea to bring in Tim. So again, you know, thank both of you guys for joining us. I know uh, originally speaking to Crespo, he was he was fanboying over Tim. So I know he's very excited today. Ah. <laughs> so, um, but let's let's start today by defining co-educating. Uh, Sherry, can you help us do that? Sure. Co-education is really about the partnership between educators and families. Uh, It's recognizing that each of us bring insights about child development and how that particular child learns. And too often, uh, educators have discounted that wealth of information that families bring. So co-education is really about a two-way dialogue. It's about shared decision-making. It's about really mutually learning from each other uh, and celebrating the roles that families, and really an entire community plays in educating kids. Ah, a tremendous response. And, and I think this, uh, the best way to segue from, uh, from that uh, explanation is for maybe to show a little transparency on our end. So let's answer the question, um, Sherry and, and then Tim, what was your experience when it comes to the relationship between parenting and creativity? You could talk about your personal life, when you were a child or maybe what, what's happening now? You want to go first? Oh, sure. Um, well, I, I can tell you, you know, I didn't have that much of a relationship at first. So like, you know, the teachers were really important to me 
Uh, and then you sort of find your own community and sort of work with people. And I think that's uh, something that I sort of see in some of the students that I've worked with. You know, one of the advantages of teaching for 23 years in one district is you really get to see a range of the different styles of parenting and sort of, you know, uh, I, I could offer assistance um, with, with students and with parents and really helping uh, them support each other. And it's, it's terrific when you see really supportive uh, parents that appreciate the arts, you know, and I often play a part in sort of helping uh, parents understand that there are careers and there, there are lots of possibilities in the arts and it's not, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, that they're going to end up working at Starbucks. Like, you know, it's important to understand that, you know, this is a real thing and, you know, it's a big industry and I have lots of uh, amazing students that went into uh, terrific careers that I've been envious of. Um, and then helping them learn how to emotionally support each other. You know, being an artist, I think, um, comes with, uh, you know, some turmoil into finding who you are and, you know, your voice. Uh, and it's challenging, especially as a student, I think, um, you know, because, you know, uh, school could be a tough time for students. Uh, so they're dealing with their own emotional social problems. And, you know, art's a, a great way to sort of express some of that and get that out too. And I think that's a really important thing to help parents understand and students. Uh, and one of the ways I do that is really by modeling uh, my own experience. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Sherry, uh, anything to add to that? Yeah, so I'd like to respond from uh, wearing my parent hat. And I learned to really let my kids lead the way. So the approach to learning in our household has been really rooted in that Einstein quote, imagination is more important than knowledge. So my background is child development uh, and I was immersed in the research around kids' creativity long before I had kids. Um, and I realized um, that my journey through parenting had to be focused on uh, kids having agency, being decision makers and letting them guide their own approach to flexible thinking because that's the kind of skill I wanted my kids to have through their lifetime. And I'm you know, really proud that now that they're grown, they list creativity as one of their superpowers. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's really important. That's how I measure my success as a parent, you know, not necessarily what grades did they get or other external forms of assessment, but how they are so proud of their creative ideas. One of the things that we like to do at Crayola is have school family creative conversations to bring up these important topics. And so I'm going to uh, make available, we, we talked uh, ahead of time about making sure that the resources that we'll be talking about today are available to everybody who listens to this podcast. So we are thrilled to share uh, one of the school family creative conversations. Uh, one of the resources we have in that series is around this idea of Einstein's quote and honoring imagination. So we have uh, an exercise that teachers can share with families or families can use in the summertime on their own, where you really start to think through how do you balance that and how do you make sure you're nurturing kids' imaginative thought. Awesome. Um, but before we continue, I wanna dig a little bit deeper to some of the points that you guys touched as you were speaking. And it really uh, goes into um, you know, teachers and organizations and how can they help or support parents and guardians of young artists? Like what role can they play in, um, in kind of moving that along? 
either of you can, can begin. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so, uh, you know, like I work at the high school level, I think a lot of students uh, are really deciding the direction of their lives. And that can be really challenging, obviously. You know, not everyone is so lucky to understand, you know, the, their thing, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, in high school. And I think that a lot of my art students certainly do, you know, and I, I try to really infuse uh, understanding about, you know, creativity, kind of like Sherry mentioned, uh, with, with all my students, because that's something that really comes uh, and actually is a superpower later on in life, regardless of what career you go into. Um, but when you're helping students sort of like guide and navigate, um, I think it's really important for them to understand themselves and, you know, what are their goals, but, but also why are their goals their goals? Like, you know, you have to ask that question, why? Um, and it becomes really important. So, you know, are you someone that works uh, well in a small environment? Are you really collaborative? Uh, you, are you a process-based artist? Do you like living in the city? You know, there's all these questions um, that I will ask students and I'll, I'll have a conversation with them and their parents together. Um, and I'll often talk to, you know, both their parents and the students individually too, because, um, you know, you get a different sense, like not all students will act too, super naturally in front of their parents. Um, so, you know, I, I try to help uh, really be a guide to help them navigate some of this. And it also really helps you know, as an educator taking classes at so many different places. Um, so getting a sense of what the personality of the different schools and different careers are like. Um, so that really helps, you know, and no one knows their future. I think even, uh, you know, after all these years of teaching, I'm still like a big kid inside. And, you know, I like trying different things. And I think that's a natural part of life. But, um, you know, you do want to sort of uh, learn more about yourself. And that's going to really help you in that process. You know, and, and uh when I'm talking to parents, helping them uh, understand who their uh, their children are at the point that we're talking, you know, so you might have to update um, some of the beliefs you have about them, um, because I obviously, as a teacher, get to see a whole different side uh, of students. So I think that's that's all really important uh, in, in my role as a teacher. Really glad to follow Tim on that because. Um... You set the foundation that I'd like to just, you know, go, go a bit deeper on. When we ask the question of how we can help the families to support young artists, I love that you talked about uh, understanding who you are. And so I think one of the things we can, one of the places we can start is to help that parent, that family member, explore their own creativity and first look at what is creativity. Because once that family member boost their own creative confidence, they're going to embrace that coming forward from their kids, right? You're not going to be so afraid of it or you're not going to dismiss it. So um, there are a couple ways that we do this. And, you know, we've got, like I said, handouts, resources that you can take into a family, uh, a, a school family meeting, or you could have that conversation you know, around the dinner table. But I always like to start by asking, what does creativity mean? And bursting through some of these myths, because there are a lot of outdated notions out there. Uh, some of them, I'm sure we could all come up with a, a list of them, but some of them are around that creativity is this import talent that some lucky people have and, you know, the rest of us missed out. And that's just not true. And creativity is, is a lens. It's how you see the world. It's how you think. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're all going to be Picassos. So I, I like to have a conversation around what creativity is and in that resource guide, um, what we did is pulled forth four very common 
uh, definitions of creativity, but we urge people, if you've got your own definition, that's even better, right? You're not right. limited. There, there is no limit to the definition of creativity, but it gets us to look at, you know, thinking out of the box and coming up with new ideas. And one of my favorites is making connections between seemingly unrelated things to create something new. So then when a family member starts to think about their own creative confidence, uh, they will start to respect what we're talking about as educators and why we honor the creative thinking in their kids uh, so much. So I, I always like to start with that inward reflection and then extend it, extend it outwards. Yeah, uh, Tim, I, I, I want to say um, thank you for including students' voices in, you know, in these discussions because, um, you know, there, I guess occasionally it happens where where we forget that uh, they are advocate that we we should allow them to be advocates for themselves, you know, and um, and I think by you including them in a conversation in addition to their parents, we're allowing them to have that voice and, and which is another superpower essentially. Uh, and then and then Sherry um, talking about um, talking about defining creativity. That's something that we we I guess we pride ourselves here on the podcast is is leaving it very open. Um, we tried to at this point. Um, we have we started initially um, with the mindset of including visual artists, but we have since expanded because uh, in in our push to make creativity, um, you know, household word essentially, it we want to show people that that it can be represented in, in many different ways. Um, oh, I'm so I glad want, you said that. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that uh, one of the mantras that, that we think opens up the discussion is we say when something is created something bigger happens. And we ask people to reflect on what, what do they do that's creative? And it might not have anything to do with visual art. Um, you know, we ask questions about, uh, you know, are you a great cook, culinary arts? Do you, are you known to having great festivals, right? Like you're a great party planner. You've got a great garden. You're thinking about, you know, the colors and, and the growth cycles. So anything that we create is an opportunity for us to tap into this and to express our ideas. And once people start to realize that this isn't just about drawing and painting, um, that it's really something bigger happens when you create something new, that then they're tapping into creativity definition isn't something just written in a dictionary. It's something that lives inside you. Yeah, sure, sure. And, uh, I guess a living definition in, in, in the same right, because uh, it, can, it can be constantly changing. I wanna continue talking about the idea of support. And um, Tim, this question is directed towards you. You created a successful lesson titled The Gratitude Project. How does a project like that break past the four walls of the classroom? Well, you know, it's one of the nice things. As an art teacher, I always felt a little bit confined, you know, just working with the students and, and you wanted to really spread the message into the school and then the community. So, you know, um, we started a social emotional learning program at the school and I thought it was really helpful, uh, but I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, that what I learned as a teacher uh, that I spread to the students and sort of modeled. Um, and I think just gratitude is something that's really important. Um, you know, it changes your life in a real sense uh, if you embrace it. Uh, knowing what you're grateful for uh, and sharing what you're grateful for will actually just improve your life. So, you know, I, I sort of shared that idea with the students and we made it visual. Uh, so we started having the students, uh, you know, create these, these small prints um, using like, you know, the jelly printing method that was pretty simple um, about, you know, the things they were grateful for. And I said, let's take that a step further. 
and like, you know, who you're grateful for and let's share something with them and pass the message on. And then it just started snowballing. So like, you know, I did it with my class and then other teachers were interested. So I did a workshop for other teachers at the school mm-hmm. on how to do it. And they were doing it with their classes. And then I had just loads of students coming in and then we're like, well, why stop there? You know, like this is something that's powerful. So you know, we went to uh, local adult homes and we worked, the students actually taught what they learned to them. Uh, and, you know, and just spending time with those, those adults was really powerful in itself, you know, just having those conversations because some of them were former artists and, you know, they were, they were talking about uh, their experiences. Um, and it just, you know, it was something that like made this impact that was I, profound. Like I would never have suspected uh, it would have went that far. And then like you know, the magic of social media is you just share that stuff out and then other people are able to, to use that same methodology. Right. Right. And, and I share, I think this plays right into what you mentioned earlier, how like, uh, so this can also take place in this, in a classroom, but can take place at the dinner table because gratitude is such an impactful conversation and, and, and then adding creativity to, uh, to the concept of gratitude. Well, you end up with something as successful as, as Tim has, has initiated. Yeah, I, I would just like to add to, I love Tim that you turned this gratitude project into something that just kept growing in, in the community on a more, a smaller, but more reflective scale. One of the things that we do that helps families think about the importance of educators in their kids' lives, we ask them to reflect, and, it, and I haven't thought of it as a gratitude project, but it, it really is, reflect on your childhood champion. As a parent, think about who really championed your creativity, who trusted you to make good decisions, who, did, who connected you, right, to, to, to a vision for your future. And when parents do that kind of reflection and they remember somebody from their childhood who, who did something so impactful that 20, 30 years later, you're able to think back to that special moment. It gives a deeper appreciation for that sticking power of great education. And it does instill that sense of gratitude for what your kids are experiencing right now. So because we love transparency so much, why don't the four of us uh, identify our champion then right now? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'll start uh, just because I, I as, as soon as as soon as Sherry mentioned, it, I started thinking about it. Um, and I, my my champion is going to be my father. And um, the reason is, and I've mentioned it in previous podcasts, is that for every decision that I made, um, instead of him questioning it or him providing alternatives, what he's what he used to re, what he reminds me of is, I've trusted you up until this point, and I'll continue to trust you. And it's just always made me feel like, okay, if, if I get this wrong, if I get this wrong, then, then he's already saying that, that I'm safe, like that, that I can fall back and, and feel like uh, taking risk was okay. So definitely my father in this one. Uh, this question is, is not so straightforward for me. It's hard for me to select one person. Uh, I was, now that I look back at it, fortunate enough to be raised by my grandparents and it, it wasn't only, only them, it was my grandparents, my two aunts, and then my mom when she was around. Uh, so I had really this network, and as the adage goes, you know, it takes a village. Uh, and that was very true in my sense, because uh, I had, you know, my grandfather, my grandmother, uh, my two aunts, and my mother. So it was really uh, this kind of circle of support 
And as I look at myself and who I became, I see little bits of each of them in me, right? So it's my one aunt who is very creative, who taught me how to turn emotion into creativity um, and, you know, deal with anger in a way that was positive, right? Um, or my other aunt who is very into, you know, very scholastic and very into education, who uh, instilled in me the importance of um, continuing my education, um, learning and just, you know, absorbing everything in the world around me. Um, you know, my, my grandfather, who really taught me how to be, you know, a functioning male in society, you know, you, you, you take some of that for granted, right? Um, that teaches you the rights and wrongs and how to just be um, courteous and respectful. And, um, you know, my grandmother who taught me warmth and, you know, what love meant. And these are all things um, that, and my mom who taught me resilience <laughs> and that, and that no matter uh, how your relationship with someone is, um, you need to look at the positive parts of it. Um, so all of that, uh, you know, every single one of those people are my champions, right? And they, without them, I, I can't take one of them away because then it takes away a part of my personality. And it's, it's kind of like a, a Jenga, right? So you take one piece and the whole thing falls. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's not so straightforward for me. Um, so they're, they're all my champions. Um, Sherry, who is your champion? Well, I just want to respond to, to, to Jay's from up there and say, that's why we were so intentional when you ask about a definition of co-educating, not to say parents, but to say families. And Jay's story is exactly that. Um, th that whole circle of, of aunts and grandparents that can impact kids. So love hearing uh, Jay's story. Um, in terms of, of my champion, it was my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Hines. I even remember her birthday. When wow. I was like, August 28th, and I know that because in the summer, I tried so intentionally to make sure that I could get her birthday wishes. It's so easy when your teacher is in the school year, you can just hand it. Um, but I remember that she never cared if you got the right answer or not. That wasn't important. She always wanted to know what the backstory was. What was your reason? If you could explain how you got there, that's all that mattered. And that instilled in me a love of child development and teaching and not going by a textbook and not using worksheets, but really listening to kids. Mm. Tim, can you share with us maybe who your champion was? Sure. Well, I, I have to say, um, I was really lucky to have a, a great first grade teacher, Miss McKinstry, who, you know, took me aside one day and uh, just, you know, asked me to do a design project with, with the class. Um, so, you know, you know, that chance to be just focused on art and, and design and was, was really pretty magical. Uh, you know, and it's, it's oftentimes if you talk to teachers, it's great teachers that help us find our way to becoming teachers. So I think that like I had some terrific teachers throughout my life, which, which really made an impact. But also I, I met the love of my life in, you know, third grade, Melissa, who I'm still with. So, wow. you know, uh, yeah, no, it's incredible. So, you know, we, we basically uh, shared a whole life together. So like, uh, you know, we, we've been each other's champions and that just really helps a great deal. Mm. All the champions, all the, all the possible ways that a champion can be, uh, can take place in our life, right? Absolutely. So, so art requires tools from online resources to found objects to expensive digital software. Uh, what are some tools we can suggest to our listeners? Um, well, you know, like uh, I always make a, a point of saying that, you know, you don't need expensive things to make great art. Uh, I think being creative, you know, one of the most creative tools ever is just cardboard. 
Um, you know, if you have some cardboard, glue, tape, things like that, uh, you're going to see creativity. So I think that's really important um, that it doesn't need to be expensive tools. You know, that's great. You know, I, I recently started playing with VR art and like being able to draw in virtual reality is one of the coolest pieces of technology I've ever done. Uh, and it's amazing, you know, uh, but that's certainly not necessary, I think. Uh, you know, I've seen people make great things with just found objects. Um, so I think that, you know, when, when you're talking about like materials and things like that, uh, there's just such a range. And I think that like, you know, your idea of creativity and what, what art is, uh, you know, shouldn't limit you. I mean, like, you know, you could make art anywhere. You know, I like uh, teaching students about artists like Andy Goldsworthy, who will go to a place and, you know, find natural objects around and actually create art with things that are from that environment. Um, so, you know, there's so many possibilities, you know, and, and one of the things I like to do in terms of boosting my students' creativity is sort of taking away some of the art materials. Like one of my favorite things in the pandemic was, you know, I had to sort of find a way to connect with students over this virtual environment, which was tough. So I started just giving these creative challenges and I would ask students to, you know, draw a self-portrait, but without using any art tool. So they were using food and nature and candy and stuff. Um, so, you know, art could be made anywhere with anything. I think that's the, the lesson that I try to share with, with everyone I come in contact with. Um, you know, and like, you know, artists naturally just play. I think, you know, really enhancing that sense of play and like, you know, making sure that people are comfortable playing without feeling that they're going to be judged or anything like that is the role of an art teacher. It's like making sure there's a warm environment where everyone feels comfortable and we could just, you know, play and communicate uh, with art. I love Tim's comment about less is more. In fact, we teach a, a STEAM course um, around re solving real world problems with innovation. And one of our chapters is around the importance of limits. And that when you uh, have limits to either the number of materials or the amount of time, uh, it, it forces you to think of alternative routes. And um, you start to, to generate more of your own ideas and not be as dependent upon a tool. I like to say that the best uh, tools in our toolbox really are within us. And so the two tools I always recommend, number one, make your thinking visible. And number two, respond to others with that open mind. So those, just to explain in a little context for those two tools, we suggest that, um, that when we, when we have prompts for people to have some of those important tough conversations, we like to call them uh, courageous conversations, you pull out that first tool and you make your thinking visible because when you're able to describe a situation that otherwise might be tough, but you sketch it, then when you get to the hard part, your sketch is speaking for you. So a lot of times we'll, we'll draw say school culture and it's hard to say, you know, this half of the building doesn't talk to the other half of the building, or, you know, we've got a dysfunctional relationship going on. But if I sketch it and I make that thinking visible, then I can share this sketch. And you can see barriers where communication stops flowing, or, you know, the clicks or the power struggles, or, you know, the, the sketch is, is representing what our culture is. And then the second tool is to really respond to each other with that open mind and to consider that others might have a different perspective you, that you do. So, you know, we do this with, um, with our colleagues, um, educators, we do this with families, particularly important when families are new to this country and, uh, you know, the, the English language might, might be the second language, but art is that universal language. They can make a sketch 
we can you know, have this visual communication that puts us all on common ground. And so I, I think you know, having the tools be within us and the power of us to, to visualize ideas and express them and respond to each other are the only two tools we need. Sherry, a, a lot of the recent work of Crayola EDU is rooted in art for change, uh, discovering identity and teaching acceptance. Uh, why is that important? And how is Crayola EDU leading the charge? So our approach to creative teaching and learning is really transdisciplinary. In fact, uh, you know, we used to talk a lot about art infused in education and art integration and, and you know, that that concept is really near and dear to our heart. But what we found is that our teachers would, would come to that with great passion and others who felt that they were really creative would embrace it. But there were a lot of teachers who hesitated and they would you know, come back to the early part of our conversation. They would dismiss it because they would say they weren't creative enough, which is nonsense as we just said. Mm -hmm. So we really um, like to focus on, on this creative teaching approach, transdisciplinary, and start with self-expression being so critical in every class. So one of our favorite examples is merging art and literacy. Uh, we teach a, a multi-literacies course that focuses on personal identity narratives. Uh, part of that course is around using art to reverse stereotypes. Uh, we do change poems with kids where they can uh, take out the stereotypes and, and the myths of, that others think about them that aren't true and gain control over their personal identity narrative. We have kids do personal portraits that aren't mirror images of themselves, but where they take half of that portrait and they start describing what's inside and they show their experiences or words that describe them. So then, you know, language arts teachers start leaning forward and said, oh, maybe some of the content that you're sharing fits in my standards too. Uh, and then the real magical moment happens when teachers of all subjects realize that the art standards, and we are so lucky in our field, that the pillars of our art standards are create, present, respond, and connect. And once teachers of other disciplines understand that, they start to have that epiphany that everything we teach is better when we ask kids to create something, to present their thinking, to respond to each other respectfully and connect to personal and societal context. And so now we start having teachers of all subjects embracing the arts. Mm. Sherry, when you say uh, we teach, the courses that you offer, are they specifically for teachers? Are they open to parents? Um, what, what do you mean by that? So uh, school districts have brought Crayola education in, in um, I was just in uh, school district, New Jersey, just uh, the other day where we had, we had all the deputy superintendents and all the curriculum lead supervisors with the district as well as teacher leaders. Um, we like to work with the district about embracing this and embedding it and having then teacher leaders bring this to their community so that parents have interactions with the faculty that they're gonna see every day. Uh, we don't necessarily think it's our role to go in and have, you know, a, a moment in time interaction with a child or, a, you know, kind of just zap in and, and try to build a relationship with a parent in a, in a short event. Um, we instead prefer, it's sort of a train the trainer model. We give our tools and our resources to the educators so that they can live with it and bring it to their kids, um, bring kids on to those leadership teams. We 
we have uh, one of our first courses is around how to build creative leadership capacity in your students, in your faculty, with your parents. But we don't think it's fair for us to interact with, with kids and parents in a short nanosecond. Um, lastly, the four of us are knowledgeable of the power of social media. We've mentioned it in this conversation a number of times. However, not everyone uses it for the same reason. So if we were to assist parents and guardians, um, how could social media be an additional tool in the role of co-educating? Um, so, you know, I, one of the things that I like to do is kind of share through social media what's happening in the classroom. So whatever we're learning that week, I always like to share out. I think that's a a great thing, you know, I have a lot of uh, our teachers that follow me, but a lot of parents. Um, and I, I think that like, um, I've done workshops with parents and some of the thing, you know, they, they'll see something that we're doing in class and like, oh, I'd love to do that. You know, so I, we started, we have a, a great parent university at our school where we actually do workshops with parents. Um, and it, it kind of goes back to what Sherry was talking about earlier in that like they have a whole new appreciation for creativity and what art is. Um, and uh, so I think social media has been an amazing tool uh, I know that there are some potential downfalls in terms of, you know, privacy and things like that. But I think that, like, you know, it is our future. It's realistic. So, you know, teaching students to be media literate is really important uh, and teaching parents about, you know, how important that media literacy component is. But we've been able to connect with artists that we learned about in class through social media and interview them. So, like, that's an amazing experience because, you know, how amazing is it to learn about an artist and, and have all that knowledge and then get to interact with them? That's amazing. Um, and uh, getting to see uh, all the art museums around the world. I know that the Getty Challenge was really uh, a, a pivotal sort of game changer for us uh, during the pandemic when, you know, I had all my students and all the teachers did it when we're all creating famous artworks out of just two or three things at home. Um, so that's an enormous way to kind of uh, spread creativity around the world. Uh, and, it, and it connects us all. I think connection ultimately is one of the most important things in life. Uh, you know, as a teacher, my job is really to connect with the students in a meaningful way. And, you know, once they know I care about them, it changes our relationship. Um, and, you know, like social media is that connection. Uh, so I think it, you know, has so much potential. Great. Sherry, uh, every time I'm about to register for one of Crayola EDU's workshops, there's three more that pop up. So to say that, to say social media, uh, what, what impact can it make? I mean, please explain how successful it has been for you. Sure. I would first like to just build on something Tim said. Tim, I am so jealous. You are so lucky to be able to do workshops with the parents that you have relationships with. And that's what I was referring to is we like to empower, give our resources to uh, the people in that district, the people in the building, because you have the long-term relationship with those parents and you know their kids. And that's, you know, so I didn't want my other answer to feel like, you know, we, we it's just that we don't think our roles popping in one night is going to make a difference. The workshop should be done by the person who they know, and you're going to be there to sustain it. So thank you. I'm just so jealous that you get to do that with parents. Um, but our way of connecting with parents is very much through social media. In fact, you know, we used to do uh, webinars, you know, where you'd come to, to our Crayola site and, and you would see our webinars. And we still do those for, for educators who are, you know, getting our newsletter and, and part of our community. But we realized the reach could be so much bigger when we start to take things out to um, our Grail Facebook page, for example. So we do a read-along, draw-along series 
And we have families from all over the world sign up. Uh, we feature amazing, we, we are so fortunate that our publishing partners bring us amazing authors and illustrators uh, to, to share their books. We have uh, one coming up, Una, with Kelly DiPuccia, uh, the New York Times bestselling children's author, and uh, Razia Figuerio, who, who illustrated Uno, who, um, who she thinks is the first Black mermaid. Um, but research will tell, if, as she said in a fiction's book, she said she knew when she was looking at mermaid books as a, as a child, she never saw one that looked like her. So she designed a, a beautiful Black mermaid. Um, and Darius Peoples Riley um, yeah, is also part of our read along series. And she did America, My Love, uh, in which she's really asking about if America loves her, loves her when she stands up, speaks up, speaks out, um, and how uncomfortable she often felt in her childhood um, of not being loved for for um, her family background. So I don't want to speak for her. I, I would love you to listen to, to that read along, draw along, and uh, hear her express you know, the, what the, the ideas behind her story. But my point is that when we're able to put the read along, draw along, and the art of learning, uh, we do the art of learning through dot, dot, dot. So the art of learning through applied coding and the art of learning through, we're actually doing one uh, that's going to be aired next week uh, through artivism and the uh, merging between art making and activism. And we have, we're featuring anti-racist art teachers in their presentation of how, how they use artivism with their students. So my point is that social media gives us an opportunity to reach so many families um, that we otherwise would not have coming to our website, but they're out there on Facebook, millions of, of our, um, Crayola Facebook fans are joining us for these programs. That's that's awesome. So, so some of those that you were speaking of are the the past ones are also accessible to so we can share that information with our listeners because um, I'm sure there's there's definitely ones listening right now that are like oh I want to check that out. <laughs> right. Um, so and, we want to make sure that we we make that accessible. So all of the read along draw alongs and the art of learning programs are accessible on the Creole Facebook page. Just go to the videos tab and they're all, all the past version, including an adorable one um, by the authors and illustrators of Pete the Cat, who's a very popular uh, very blue popular. cat and gets us all kinds of mischief. So um, some really great stories. Awesome, and we'll, we'll make sure, uh, we're gonna have a whole resource section on uh, onelovearthsessions.com as well. That'll compile a lot of the stuff. So any of our listeners can go right there and we'll make sure that anything that is uh, is of interest that we speak of will, will be listed there. So Jay, you wanna introduce our segment? Yeah, so anyone, and this is always my, my spiel, right? Anyone that's ever listened to any of our episodes knows uh, how we end all of our episodes. Uh, so that is with a segment called Copy, Collab, Erase. Uh, so today I'm actually going to let Crespo uh, name the, the entities. Um, so as a breakdown, Copy, Collab, Erase, uh, we always pick three people, three companies, three brands, three objects. Uh, you're going to have to pick one that you would copy and you can give your rationale for why you would copy it. It could be depending on what it is. Uh, one you would love to collab with, uh, collaborate with, and then one has to go. Okay. Uh, so go ahead. 
Yeah. So uh, we thought after a conversation like this, um, maybe what would you do if uh, if you had the opportunity to work with PBS, Nick Jr. or Disney Jr.? So, uh, you know, you could take into consideration maybe this conversation that we're having now or um, your personal endeavors. Spin this question however you would like, but the idea is that would you copy, collab, erase with PBS, Nick Jr., or Disney Jr.? I think my favorite there has got to be PBS. Such a rich uh, wealth of information. In fact, a, a couple of years ago, we actually did have a collaboration between Creole Education and PBS Media Center where they were putting a lot of our assets up on their teacher media center. And uh, I was also on the board of the Partnership for 21st Century Learning with folks from the PBS Education Division and just wonderful, smart, passionate people. So I feel like I have collaborated with them and at you know, various uh, points in time, you know, projects sort of resurface or or fade away, um, but it just feels like that's where I would go first to rekindle. Okay. Uh, you, you know, we can't let you get away with not erasing somebody, just so, just so oh, you know. No, and I can't, well, and because the company <laughs> itself does have partnerships with the little Nick. Oh, I we cannot, she I cannot can't. answer this question. She cannot answer this question. All right, Tim. The pressure is all on you. <laughs> oh, that's tough. All right. So I'll get to race money. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I who would I collab with? I would go with Nick Jr. Uh, because it's a monster. I love Nick Jr. You know, I love uh, cartoons and animation. Uh, I've been doing it. I teach film and animation. I've had lots of students go into it and I'm always envious of them. My, my hope is that, uh, you know, in my, my second career, I get to teach and animate. Uh, so I would definitely, mm-hmm. uh, collaborate with Nick Jr. Um, and then like, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I've worked uh, as a, uh, with PBS for many years. Um, so just because I've worked with them, I'm gonna race them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I've had this long relationship with them uh, for being a, a PBS leader for a couple of years. Um, so, uh, and then uh, uh, Disney gets the, the third spot because, uh, uh, you know, some of, especially now that, Disney kind of merged with so many other companies, Marvel and right. stuff like that. Um, it's really interesting to see what they're doing. All right. All right. Jay, you know, I have to pass this to you, man. I'm going next. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to put, I'm going to put my dad hat on and I'm going to actually answer this for my son. Uh, so I have an 11 month old uh, and based on my life with him, I'm going to answer <laughs> that. So um, I would copy Nick Jr. Uh, due to Canticos, uh, which is uh, on for hours on end in my house. Um, and I think it's amazing the way they are integrating Spanish and English and teaching kids in a very musical and fun way, um, both. So it's giving us an opportunity. Um, it, it's helping us uh, raise our son bilingual, which is uh, amazing. Um, and it's one of the, one of the first things we found that he gravitated toward, um, even as I think he was as young as two to three months and it would just calm him down. Um, so I would, I would copy them just cause I think that's an amazing idea and, uh, award-winning idea. I think it is <laughs> at this point. Um, 
I would collaborate with PBS because I would really love to be a guest on Sesame Street um, and just hang out with Elmo. Uh, it just seems like such a fun experience. Um, or they can just throw me into like the letter of the day skit. Um, any one of those, like if they're listening, um, I'm free. <laughs> uh, I can hang out, you know, me, Elmo, Abby Kadabi, any of them. Um, my son would have to come because if not, he would hate me. Um, so that's that's the other half of things that always play in my house. Um, so then uh, we're not yet to Disney Junior. So that would probably well, actually, he likes PJ Masks, but we're going to let we're going to let Disney Junior go. Um, but even though I guess he has a stake in all of them and he might be mad if <laughs> later on in life he hears that I eliminated PJ Mask. Uh, but one of them had to go. I think that. Uh... I think I get to keep on my co-educator slash parent uh, hat on for this one and um, copy PBS, uh, their initiatives, their goals, their um, constant strives to make changes, just super admirable. Um, copy Disney for their staying power. Uh, I just, I mean, that's Disney. And then I'm going to erase Nick Jr. only because I think that in my youth, I would have chosen Nickelodeon over all of them just because I was a Nick kid. But I think as as a parent, um, my son is is just Daniel Tiger or is PJ Mask. So that's it. That's how we roll. Um, <laughs> I, thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your stories, for sharing your information. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to put it into words um, because because I'm thinking I'm thinking in terms of of what what I would do if I was a parent listening to this conversation, also what benefits as a teacher um, I can get out of this. And I, I think that our audience had, is, is uh, comprised of both. Um, a significant amount of our teachers have been listening to these conversations and you know, our friends and other listeners, our parents, there's information that you shared that Jay and I will, will definitely take back and, and use in our own lives as, you know, as dads with sons that we anticipate being creatives or, you know, and especially since they're growing up in households that are very creative. And that includes our, um, that includes both of our wives who are creatives in their own right. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, this is, this has been, an, you know, one of the top conversations I've, I've waited to have and, um, having a son so young and him just being a sponge. Um, it's great to find out about all the resources that are available as he grows that I'm able to tap into um, as a creative, as a father, as someone who wants to raise someone um, in this multifaceted, like I want him to be you know, exposed to everything the same way I was. And I think thinking back when I was young, we didn't have these resources. So it's amazing that I was exposed to so much uh -huh. because you really had to fight to, to get that exposure, right? Um, and now it's, I guess, a gift and a curse, right? Because there's so much out there um, <laughs> that you also need to know where to look. Um, and I think this conversation really uh, provides a foundation for educators, for parents, for anyone that just you know, again, wants to know where to start, right? And then just start at one point and start to connect the dots to all these different areas and all these different resources. Um, so I definitely want to thank uh, both of you for coming on today and, and sharing your wealth of knowledge and, and information. Um, and, and with that said, also, we, we spoke about social media. Can you just really tell our listeners uh, where they can find you, you know, 
if they want to shoot you a message online or follow you somewhere so they, they can uh, start to, to get this information on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Sure. Well, first, I want to thank you guys for bringing us together. I've been listening to your podcast and wishing, you know, dreaming and getting on it. And the fact that you brought Tim on, I, I'm thrilled because uh, I've been wanting to connect with Tim for the longest time. So thank you for bringing us together. And um, I would love for people to follow me on Twitter at, um, at Sherry, at Sherry Sturman. So if you can put, you know, my uh, Twitter handle okay. in the notes, I would love to have connections with people after this. Okay. Will do. Yeah, and I am at uh, Tim Needles, uh, but if you just Google Tim Needles, there's I, I'm on every social media. So like, you, know, <laughs> you gotta, you know, you have to be on TikTok if you're a high school teacher, yeah, and yeah, you know. So I, I'm on every single social media. But yeah, thank you. This is a terrific conversation. So uh, nice to uh, have this talk with you guys, and you know, it's always it's always great to talk to other creatives. So thanks for putting the podcast out there. One Love Art Sessions couldn't have been complete without the wonderful guests and even more so, our wonderful community. And you, our listeners, we'd truly appreciate it if you took some time to rate and review the podcast. With your help, we could increase listenership and get these incredible stories and messages out to a greater audience. The music used in this podcast was created by Pound, aka Chris Lee. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. One Love. One Love.